We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. I used to be a front-end web developer, which means I built all of the pages someone would see when visiting a website. This is before the iPhone when everything was viewed on actual computers. At the time, it was HTML4, JavaScript, and CSS. I could sit in front of a computer for 14 hours with lots of coffee, loud music in my headphones, and build whatever designs were provided to me. I was fast, and my work always met the required specifications. I was excellent at getting the things done. However, there are some things I didn't do. I didn't visually design the website or design the pages. I didn't figure out what problem the website needed to solve for the business it was being built for. I also didn't figure out which industries my company should explore for more business. I was not involved in figuring out what needed to get done. Getting things done effectively requires focus and control. However, figuring out what needs to get done and meet goals and desires requires something else. These are two different activities that use two different parts of the mind. Being aware of how we personally exist in these two places is helpful in getting good results. Yuri Cataldo is an entrepreneur and author who combines the mindsets of an artist and a technologist. His latest book is Be Left Behind, Discover Bitcoin and Cryptocurrency Before It's Too Late. We spoke about all kinds of things, including how to get things done and figuring out what needs to get done. This guy was so interesting and fun to speak with. My great conversation with Yuri Cataldo. Yuri, you have a lot going on. You do a lot of things. Brain. I imagine that means you have a very active brain. Is that <laughs> is that an accurate assessment? Man, that that is the nicest way to describe whatever it is that's going on in my head. So yes, active brain. I like it. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna start using that actually when I describe myself to people. So I recently interviewed a martial artist, mm -hmm. and his name was Jason Bender. And one of the reasons why he got into martial arts is because of that. Like he just has a lot going on yeah. in his brain. Um, I'm the same way. And we talked about how that can work against people mm -hmm. and it can work towards people. I think a lot of um, people that struggle in the world have a lot going on in their head. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that people that are very successful also do. Mm -hmm. But there's there, it's whether you let it work for, towards you and you work against you. Right. So look, if we could just talk about how you get your active brain to work in your favor. Sure, sure. So it's interesting that you brought up martial arts. That's actually, so I, I picked up scuba diving and I realized that was a wonderful byproduct of scuba diving because when you're, you know, 30, 50 feet underwater, there's only a few things you focus on, mm -hmm. and that's like breathing mm -hmm. and the and your instruments and the world around you. And it kind of helps quiet everything else, which, uh, you know, has a lot to do with meditation. And I find it very meditative and, and, and focusing and centering. Uh, but but beyond that, though, organizing like it because of as much of the things that I work on 
if I wasn't organized, mm -hmm. I would just have chaos in my okay. life all the time. And there's a couple of things I do to organize um, each project. I've, I've recently discovered Airtable, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go too back in, into details. I know Airtable. Yeah, Airtable's fantastic. I discovered it through work because a couple of the people that I work with use it. I, I basically project manage each thing that I'm working on on, on Airtable and I, I assign it tasks, I assign myself deadlines, and sometimes it gets a little more loosey-goosey, but if there are things I need to do, like for example, this, this book, uh, which is sitting in front of us, was a very big task that took 18 months, and it's very easy to set different things aside and say, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it, and the book itself was a priority that I was doing on top of other things, and so I assigned myself tasks on a nightly basis sometimes, on a weekly basis on others, and kept myself moving forward with different you know, milestones. Okay. So that's that's kind of like the, the basis on, on projects that I think are really important. I have to project manage them or they will get lost in the random chaos. Okay. That makes <laughs> that makes sense to me. That sounds yeah. like you're your own project manager. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, what about staying focused? So when you are with all sorts of things going on, mm -hmm. If you have to write a book, yep. you have to be really focused on your what, whatever, Microsoft Word, yes. whatever's going on on that page. Is it a struggle for you to keep thoughts from other things that are happening to distract you? Yes. So I'm going to put my phone over here. So part of that beyond like just your my own thoughts is um, notifications and everything else. Um, so what i so the a lot of what i figured out um was from reading the book deep work which is absolutely fantastic deep work deep work yes okay what um, is this book about cal newport it is about this this basic concept of in a world today where there's a lot of distractions and there's a lot of like i think he describes it as like as like candy like being on social media it's like being it's like it's a candy it's, it's a jolt a quick sugar rush to your brain because Completely. it gives you instant notification yep but long term, people who have done successful, amazing work in their life have the uncanny ability to block everything out and go deep into one subject, yep. into one focus. Mm -hmm. And so I read this book, I think about a year ago, and this other books, Essentialism is another fantastic book that gives you some tactics on like how to become an essentialist and realize when you're working on a project, what is the true essential idea of that project and then kind of get rid of some of the other things. But part of this is is the ability to turn everything off at the moment and only focus on one thing at a time. Yes. So partially what I need to do is I I log out of social media, I like on my phone, which now is across the room, but even on a daily basis, all my notifications are turned off on that. Um, it won't ever ring. I only really know if I'm being contacted by someone if I'm actually looking at my phone at that moment. But it keeps me from being distracted that way because I know myself. Is that enough? I mean, do your internal thoughts distract you? They do a bit. And especially if I'm doing, so like with writing, writing the book, um, the actual act of sitting in front of a printed page and like in a blank page and writing stuff, it's really easy to have my, my thoughts go all over the place because it's like, this sure. is really boring. I'm trying to focus in on this. I, I also listen to music. Oftentimes it's the same same terrible pop song over and over and over again because what happens is 
it's peppy enough, and there's a few of these I pick. It's peppy enough so that I don't that I don't go, it's distracting, I need to change the and that's why I pick the same song. If I just put like on Spotify and let a shuffle happen. Something new something is gonna new. activate yes. memory or yes. something and distract you. It will. So I'll be like, nope, I need to switch that, and then suddenly I'm out of focus. So it's like it's getting in more deep focus. I pick the same song, keep it on a loop. And eventually it's just, it's background noise and it yeah. helps me block that out. By blocking that out, I'm focusing only on what is in front of me. That is yeah. great. Do you think that <laughs> is a learnable skill? Oh, I mean, co that's what coders do. I, so I, I work for a tech company. A lot of the coders around me, when you watch them, they've got like Red Bull on Red Bull on their counter and headphones on. And they're, yeah. I don't know if they're listening to the same song, but that's what a, like a lot of coders I do. I used to be a coder. I used to be a front-end coder yeah. years ago, and um, that's what I did as well. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm dating myself, but yeah. this is when Napster, <laughs> like I discovered Napster when I was a coder. Oh, sure, yeah. It was like this miracle. That's great, um, yeah. But I will tell you, I'm a pain, I'm an oil painter. Sure. And that is a struggle, is me staying. Some days it's better than others. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, is staying focused while I'm painting. And it's funny because I do the same thing. I listen to the same. I have a collection mm -hmm. of songs that I will listen to that are not. I can't really listen to new stuff because yeah. it's distracting. Right. I have to listen to things that are familiar. Um, and I probably have like 25 things that I will listen to. Yeah. And yeah. depending on my mood. And so that. So I'm glad that I feel yeah. like I'm doing I'm yeah. doing the right thing. I did the same thing when I was so, uh, in college. I studied art. Uh, and then eventually became a set and costume designer. And it was the same kind of thing. Although, also dating myself, this was before uh, digital music. So I had like, my thing, my favorite CD at the time was like The Counting Crows uh, back in the 90s because I could listen to the entire CD and not have to hit skip. But it was the same thing. Like somebody in my Walkman, I would put on a CD, put on my headphones or play music in the studio and just like, you know, focus in on that thing. And the music helped keep my mind focused on the task at hand. Cool. So we've covered how to get the work done. Yeah. Let's talk about just more about strategy. Okay. How do you decide, how, how do people decide what are the, let's assume that yeah. we have this ability that whatever we decide that we can do, anything is possible, yep. we can make it happen. How do you decide what those things are? What do we work on? How do you decide that I want to write a book yeah. or that these other things? Yeah, Tell no, me about your strategy. Sure, that's great. I, so I, so the, I mean, the an, the correct answer, which is not always what I do, is it's you know what kind of impact do you want to have in the world, and yep. what is the biggest benefit. Uh, I, I I wish I could say that everything I've done has been because of that. Yep. Um, oftentimes, until recently, the the projects I've worked on or the things I've done have been out of necessity. Okay. So I, again, I'm, I'm a classically trained set and costume designer, and that was my goal and focus until 2009 when I went through a divorce and the economy collapsed. Mm -hmm. And suddenly there were no jobs for anybody in New York City. So it didn't matter how much I wanted to be a set designer yep. because no one was paying money. Yep. So I moved back to Indiana and then had to figure out, okay, what to do next. And so through the course of kind of like struggling and reading, I, ended up, I, I went to work for a TV station actually where I learned a lot about marketing. And at the same time was like, I'm starting a company. I'm interested in bottled water. And that's actually kind of where I was trying to make a, a, a bigger difference. And so I was, I created the bottled water company that I wanted to buy from and would be proud to talk about. So it was sustainable, reusable. We were, uh, had a, a socially, a social charge mission. 
It was great. 2015, actually now that we're sitting in this room, five years ago, almost probably to the day or very near then, uh, the water itself won. So over the course of the, those years, it won three international awards and was featured in a lot of places. That weekend, while I was actually speaking at this conference five years ago, it was featured at the Oscar gift bags. Ooh. And it won the award for the best tasting water in the world on the same weekend. And so I blew up the PR and marketing because I got really good at that. I had the best entrepreneurial week of my entire life, followed by the worst. Uh, after all of this great things happened. Before we go to the worst, I want to yeah. know from okay. from start to beginning, yeah. how long did it take to I am going to start a bottled water company to this best week? Uh, what was that time period? Oh, well, so so that was five years. Five years, five years from start to, start from the, to, start there. to and, the end. Yes, yes. And and so the end was, was beyond my control. But, but let's say the end not happened. That end, so that five year, technically four, four years in the launch, but it was a year ahead of, of planning to go into that. And also, I'll put the caveat of, I was an art student until then. I had zero business training. So I spent a year reading every book I could, speaking with everybody who would answer the you know an email or phone call about how do you start a business? Okay. Like, how do you go into that? Um, so five years ago, what, so what happened at the end was I had created so much buzz because of marketing and everything else that the state of Indiana changed the physical laws to regulate my company out of business. Okay. And ultimately, I hired some beverage attorneys and all that kind of fun stuff. And, and he said I, I pissed somebody off. I don't know who that was. But okay. either way, so there was a stopping point. So I could fight with the government or I could just go do something else. And okay. So, I so chose, screeching halt. Yes, yeah, screeching halt. Like, you know, these types of like nuclear events happen every once in a while when they're just bad things that happen and they're beyond your control. And this is one of those. So in a period of a short time, yeah. you had divorce. Yeah. You have a complete implosion of your the market of what you were doing. Yes. And then and you the had a success and a failure or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. A, and uh, th so that's a lot. Yes. So where did that leave you? Like, yes. uh, did you, how did you feel about the world? How did you feel about yourself? Um, so I am, it, it, it's, it helps that naturally I am an, um, I'm optimistic, hardworking person. And I, I attribute a lot to that of like my parents growing up. My, both my parents are immigrants. Uh, my mother's Russian, my father's Italian, that's where my name comes from. And so, you know, both sides of the family are very entrepreneurial. They run usually restaurants, like it Italian restaurants in northern Indiana, all my family. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's you know, there's always when you start companies and run companies, I, you know, I, I watch my parents run and start and and close multiple companies, restaurants, other okay. ideas. So, so it's it's kind of there's a cycle that yeah. you're familiar with. Yes. Yes. And, and that was something that you grew up with. It was where there's an up and down and it's just a part of yes. I mean that's how it is in the arts too. Like as a, a costume designer and a set designer, there's a natural ebb and flow of every project where there is a beginning, there's an end. There are times when you are begged borrowing and stealing. There's times when you're flush with cash like that. So I'm used. I was used to that because of the of the theater training. But I think that, I think that is such an important lesson for yeah. kids, because for people to learn that that's part of life. Right, is like success and failure and problems. And I've talked about this on my podcast before, um, because I was brought up in. I was not brought up that way. Sure, I was brought up where 
um, any problem was the end of the world. Right. And my my brain was kind of wired a little bit improperly until like my early 30s that yeah. oh like problems are part of life right. and even the most the most successful person is going to encounter problems and the way you get through it is the the key to success mm -hmm. or or is a um that's a character trait that allows right. you to be successful now i used to hear people say that yeah. and i used to sit think they're full of crap like <laughs> they are i think they're full of crap yeah and now i'm realizing it's totally true oh yeah because life is just fucking random yes and the only thing that is consistent is you and your attitude and your ability to just deal with with whatever comes and stay on on your goal but yeah. okay so yeah, let's yeah. get back to uh government end of water sure 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 so yes um government end of water five years ago i had to make it the same kind of thing like decision like okay so I can't operate as a, in my current model now. I had a couple of options. I could fight. I could move the company to another state. And I realized in that moment that I was kind of burnt out. Like fighting the government burnt me out. Um, if you've ever been sued before, like being sued by the government is even more stressful. Ugh. Although now it's funny. Not that I ever get, I don't get sued very often, but um, it's no big, like I feel like it's no big deal now when it happens. It happens, happened a couple of times, but I'm like, the government sued me. Like bring it on. I got, I got nothing. Or you got nothing. So um, you obviously learned. You develop. Yes. <laughs> you develop something. It was a learning and growth experience for it you. It was, and in the, but in the moment, it was awful. Yeah. And it was, you know, debilitating, and I felt like a, a loser and a failure, because that's like spent. Like this is was my baby, basically, yeah, that course. I grew up from. And it, it was, and this water was. It was. I was proud of it, and it was featured in in Whole Foods around the world. Like it was awesome. Um. So I closed that, and then a few weeks later, I was hired by Emerson College to build their creative entrepreneurship program because I already had I've been doing some lectures also at the same time about the connection between art and entrepreneurship. Um, it's partially why I got connected to this conference. And so door closed, another door opened, and so I was like, great, new city, new opportunity, let's go and do that. And so I was there for a year, and it was great. And I hit another roadblock and I built this program that, again, I was very proud of and I was um, very passionate about what I was creating for the students, especially because, again, it's it's I have a tendency of doing these of like creating the thing I wish existed when I went through this problem. So like bottled water was like the bottled water I wish existed. Right. This program was the ultimate college program I wish existed when I was in school. Right. Because it wasn't just. It was, you were taking your art classes from the art teachers. You were taking business classes from the business professors. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the watered-down version of any of this. But the thing is this. It's an academic institution, and academic institutions work in a certain way. They hired someone who was an entrepreneur, not necessarily a college professor, to come in and build this program. And because of it, I stepped on a lot of toes, and I pushed a lot of buttons with different programs. The, a new dean was hired in, and he realized I had created this cash cow. I also had ruffled some feathers of the, the chair of the department, and they decided that they no longer required me to lead the program. So that ended that really abruptly. Um, so after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm in Boston now. I had spent some time then networking within the community, and so I jumped over. Which community? The, the Boston, so the Boston Innovation Tech okay. um, Arts scene. Because the other part of what was important for me at that program was to introduce students 
to get them outside of the classroom and outside of Emerson. So Boston is like the city of colleges. There are dozens and dozens of them on top of the fact that there's Harvard and MIT. So I worked with a few other program directors from Berkeley and other places, and we were doing, we were trying to help the students form mini companies because to start a tech company, obviously you need someone who is very good at, and knowledgeable at that tech, a computer scientist, let's say. Most computer scientists are introverts who are terrible at communication. You know who's great at communications? Most of Emerson's students. So you're like mashups and matchmaking and like, you don't have to understand the tech to be part of this company. You have to just understand it enough to translate it to the end customer. Because if you're creating a company, you need a customer at the end. End of the day, someone to use it. So we were creating that. So because of that, I had developed a very nice ecosystem. So what does the, that mean you were developing an ecosystem of, of people? Of people, yes. Like my own personal network. So I was, I spent a lot of time going to events and networking. And so I was like my, my own network within Boston. So when you're making these changes, are you being led by the connections that you're making? Mm -hmm. um, or are you being led by this idea of I want to create something new or I want I want to create something. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also good at rallying people. Yeah. So part of it is my own intellectual curiosity of and I have a tendency of saying yes and kind of following where a rabbit hole goes. The The best way to describe it is, is I, so I, I, I am more of a, a doer than say like a, uh, someone who just sits and thinks about that. And what's that been able to me to do is, you know, I have end goals and things I want to do. And there are still like side projects I'm working on that I help will, hope will help get me more to like running another company. Ultimately, end, if, if like in Indiana, if I just kind of sat and thought about it and tried to outthink my situation, I probably would still be where I was unhappy in Indiana. Rather than try to outthink it, I was doing something that was leading to something else. So a lot of these, when I look at projects, it's I'm excited about what's happening in different tech industries, and I see it as a stepping stone of like, what can I learn in this position? Because nowadays, like I, I don't think that what I will do is forever. So yeah. like, like, what can I think for the next couple of months or years? I think this idea that, um, of being a person of action as opposed yeah. to someone who's thinking is a really important concept. Yeah. Uh, personally, that was actually my goal for 2020. Yeah. Uh, I am, I am a, by nature, a man of action. 2019, yeah. I started to get in my head and started thinking and thinking and thinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ugh, I need to get out of here. <laughs> uh, I need to start doing. Uh, one yeah. of my best friends who was also a... A uh, former um, person on my podcast, um, he is a perfect example of a person of action, mm -hmm. um, and he is always—he isn't necessarily p spending all of his energy thinking about things. He's yeah. doing, yeah. and I think that's um, a a great trait to have yeah. as long as you're doing things that are leading in the in, in the right direction. Yes. Um, so we talked about. You know, having the ability to get things done mm -hmm. and not be distracted. Yeah. We talked about, we talked a little bit about how you come up with a strategy. Yeah. I'm not convinced I fully understand that with you, but that's okay. Sure. And then we talked about, <laughs> sure. and then we talked about, yeah. um, you know, being a, per, a person of action. Yeah. And actually we can go back to strategy things. if that's helpful. Yeah, let's try. I want to yeah. talk about it a little okay. bit more. Um, so not that you didn't give me good information. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I kind of, I, again, I, I jump around. Yeah, like, no, no problem. No yeah. problem. I always love to think about what if anything was possible? What would I do? Like, what would I create? What are the projects that I was going to take on yeah. at, with that assumption? 
And that really opens up, you have to really think like what is important? And um, like, how would you like, how would you answer that? If anything was possible, how would you yeah. come up with what you would be working on? If you, you know, you knew whatever you dreamt up would be successful. Yeah. 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 That's so that's a really good way to think about things. What I love about that idea is it's, it's, it's so I, I hate this term because it's very much Silicon Valley co-opted, but it's, it's the concept of a moonshot. Now it's used way too readily, but like the idea of, again, like what, what are you going to do that's going to take us to the moon or revitalize a, a community? And what I've been thinking more a lot about that is, and it's just actually part of where the book has come from. And I've realized that a lot of how I, a lot of how I think about things in the world has a lot to do with the, the, the companies I'm associated with, the fact that I'm in Boston and it's very high tech and I'm watching things that I thought were science fiction actually happen in reality. Um, and be part of what's happening with the future. So if I could do anything right now, what I'm what I'm focused on and what part of the book is, is this whole concept of the, of the unbanked in the world. So that is, it's a huge problem. I think it's like, I used to have all these memorized, but I, I, I don't right now. It's like 50 something percent of people in the world do not have access to a bank account. Meaning they have their ca they have cash saved? If they're lucky, they've got cash. And if they're in a country where the local currency is stable enough so they could keep it. Um, a lot of a lot of countries have been destabilized, destabilizing currencies, which means they can't save anything. Um, they have to get rid of their currency because the next day it may be worth less than what it is now. So there's not a savings system, um, and saving is a big deal. Uh, but even beyond that, like getting a bank in like rural parts of India, the closest bank may be hundreds of miles away, and to do that, you have to prove that you. you it's called KYC. You have to have a, a birth certificate. You got to mm -hmm. prove who you are before they even give you anything. And in some rural communities, they don't have those. So how do you prove who you are in the traditional banking system? It's difficult. Um, and that, that oftentimes keeps people in poverty. It also prevents them from ownership of land. So how do you prove that you have land if you have no records? So what I love what's happening right now with the, the and this is where the book is coming from, the uh, Bitcoin. And, and, and the name of the book is? It's, it's, the book is called Be Left Behind. Discover Bitcoin and cryptocurrency before your grandmother beats you to it, um, which is a very tongue-in-cheek type of, of, of title we did for a reason. But the overlying idea behind it is it's an educational piece to people who are not technically savvy, who want to know about what's happening with, with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and blockchain and why it is going to change the world of, of finance and banking. And why is it going to change the world of finance and banking? Um, because you you suddenly get rid of the middlemen in a lot of things. So banks are great in some aspects and they're also awful in others. So, you know, it's Sunday now. If you want to go to the bank and, and get money out, good luck. I mean, you can go to an ATM, but there's a limit to your ATM. If you wanted to move anything around, you have to wait for the bank to be open, which is not open. Most banks aren't open on the weekends. Um, even then, your bank could, if it wanted to, it could, it could seize your funds. It can lock everything up. Um, you know, we're, we're relying on a traditional banking system to determine if we're worthy of credit. And, you know, all of that is kind of a made up construct that's, that right. um, is equally easily hackable and changeable. Right. Like I, I hate TransUnion right. um, and all of those because it's made up. So what, what cryptocurrency, and again, it's, it's not 100% right right now. It's, it's a process that's moving along. 
but it takes away that and it allows you to take control of your own financial future. So you are your incentive, uh, yeah, you are your own bank, um, which does have some some um, things associated with it. Like you have to be able to, uh, since you're a bank, protect your your assets in that kind of way uh, because they're associated with a wallet address. And I'm not going to go too details because it can it gets really technically difficult quickly. Um, but with <clears throat> the great thing about blockchain is that it allow it's an immutable ledger. So once something is written on there, so a property record, that's it's written and it's decentralized across the world on multiple computers. So there's not one person who controls this record who can change it. It is now the cloud. Yes, kind of like the cloud um, in all different areas. So it's it's difficult, very difficult to hack. It keeps things on task. And so you can prove ownership. You can prove a lot of different things that you couldn't do before. And the the way to get onboarded is much more easily easily done nowadays because um, you can do it with your phone a few other things and so it's it's plugging into this secure e ecosystem that i'm very excited about and there's a lot of companies working on how to help the unbanked and how to help different industries become more secure and and ultimately give people ownership of their data and their their future Great. Now, how long did it take you to write this book? 18 months. And what does that look like? Are you oh, working um, uh, nights and weekends? Yes. Yes. Ultimately, nights and weekends. So the originally, this so this book is, a, is an offshoot of uh, The Coin Chat, which is a podcast YouTube show that my co-author and I have. Um, we still focus on the same thing of, of educating people about what was happening in the space. Um, so yeah, it was mostly nights and weekends. I have a full-time job. So does he. He actually lives um, in in Europe, so there's also a time difference too. Okay, so, so early morning meetings for you. Yes, early morning for for me, late night for him, type of thing. But yeah, nights and weekends, and we worked with a lot of very intelligent people. Uh, we had a fantastic editor who really helped like polish this this fine fine manuscript into what it is. Is this your first book? Um, yes, technically yes. Uh, I I was a contributor to another book. Um, where I wrote like a chapter, but that really didn't really go anywhere. So this is, I'm calling this my first, my first real book where like from beginning to end, I owned everything and, um, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And what does that feel like? Um, it hasn't actually fully caught up with me yet. Like, so the, we published it on Tuesday. So this week, and I have been so busy leading up to it. It was like, so Tuesday came out, like I, you know, I, I sent some text messages out to some friends. I sat down, I think Monday night and was like, I had like a little sip of wine. I'm like, this is great. It's coming out. And then I'm like, well, now that's coming out, I had to tell people about it. So I guess enough celebration for right now. I got to start tweeting about it and emailing people because I saw your tweets. This book's not going to sell itself. Yeah, exactly. All right. Now, so, how are you about the whole marketing of stuff? Are you yeah. comfortable with all that? I yes, assume that's very comfortable with yeah. all of that. And I am like, not, I'm not to the point where I'm shameless, but I'm very comfortable with I think it's fun. A lot of people, yeah. a lot of creative people. Um, aren't that comfortable with pre, you know, promoting their stuff. Yeah. I think it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. I think part of that too, and, and this was a big shift for me, when I was a set designer and I would try to go present myself, I was selling myself and I associated my work with myself. So if somebody said, you know what, I don't like this design, it was like they were saying, I don't like you. Mm -hmm. So it was learning how to divorce me from the product and the product at that time was my designs but this is like my product now is this book you don't like the book i don't care it's i'm not the book 
And so I that helped me in the marketing side of like, because I'm like, I'm I'm honestly, I'm more of an introverted person. I don't like broadcasting stuff about myself all mm -hmm. the time. But then there's there's Yuri the person, and then there's Yuri the author who wrote a book. And Yuri the author who wrote a book needs to tell everybody about it, uh, everybody about it, because no one's gonna buy a book if I don't tell them about it. Right. So that's like it's it's like a different mindset that I have to think about, or. I would just get wrapped up in my own like insecurities and be like, well, I don't want to talk about blah, 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 blah. And I'll like mumble to myself and go quiet. Yeah, no, I think that's important to um, to move anything forward is yeah. to be, there's always risks associated with mm -hmm. putting anything out into the world. Um, oh, yeah. That you're go and you have to be ready for, um, you have to be able to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Whether you remove yourself, that I am not the art. I yeah. am me. I created it, and if you don't like the art, it doesn't mean me. Yeah, it, you don't like me, but you got to you got to figure out. Or you could just not do anything. Yeah, exactly. That's like, the other thing. If, you could if just... you're afraid that someone's not going to like something, then you're not going to do anything. You're not going to do because anything. there are always people, no matter how good your work is, who will just hate on you for any reason. Like, I mean, look at that's why I try to not read reviews or go online with like the comment section. Like. People are just mean yeah. to be mean sometimes. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. I know. But the more you can just not focus on that. I mean, the other part of this that has helped out, back to my theater training. At So I, I, I went to to the Yale Drama School. And at the time, Ming Cho Lee was running it. And Ming is a very blunt, matter-of-fact person. And if your design sucks, he will tell you that it sucks. And sometimes he will go so far as to tell you that you suck. Um which I don't necessarily agree with that tactic, but going through that day after day for three years, you start to not think about criticism is the same way anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, yep, okay, thanks, Ming. Like, I get it, I'm terrible. I'll go do something, like, I'll rework it and do something else. Right. So you kind of get, like, that's, I, I wouldn't wish that necessarily on somebody, but you get used to criticism quickly when it's thrust at you all the time. Right, but uh, well, depending on how you handle it. Yes, so, exactly. Some people would just drop out of. Yes, and they have. Like yeah. some people crumbled, and I. Yeah. Like my my first year of, of grad school was rough. Yeah. Like, I took a lot of it personally. I almost was asked to leave, um, but I just you know it it's the whatever doesn't kill you make you stronger. I was gonna kind of you know I was gonna say that quote, yeah. <laughs> but I loved but that for everyone. Yeah. Like some people are literally crushed and killed by. Yeah. Things that would make other people strong. Yeah. So I don't think that is a universal. It's, it's, it depends yeah. on the person. How it you does. have to. Some people don't deal with things, and they really do get crushed and killed. Yeah. As other people can process it, find a way yeah. to process it in a way that they can become stronger. Yeah. And and so and honestly, like there were ways in me trying to figure out my own process where I process it in a very unhealthy way, like through drugs and alcohol and other like medication. Um, and so it was like, this is, it's not a, I, I know that like quote does seem maybe sometimes a little bit flippant and the easy answer, but it comes down to what's important to you. What would drive, like, I have this, this internal drive where like, no matter what, I have to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe that is like, you know, some kind of like embedded traumatic thing from my childhood. I don't, I don't know, but it's for right now. It serve, has been serving me well and has helped me move forward. And there are, you know, there's certain things in your life that we experience as, as children that don't help, but still push you forward, um, that you then kind of get over and, and, and um, 
kind of come talking around that. But I went through a lot of therapy also in my 30s. Between 30 and 35, I was running this company of like trying to figure out what was actually pushing me in some areas and, and some of those weren't healthy. But, right. you know, but ultimately it's like you, if something is important to you, you, you do what you have to do to keep moving forward. And ultimately, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's how things ultimately happen. And, and th there are sometimes insurmountable odds that just destroy whatever it is you're working on. And I, I know I'm very fortunate to be, to be born when I was where I was. Because, you know, had I been in another country or another time period, a lot of this, what I'm doing would not be possible. I, so I'm very aware of that. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And yeah. I am grateful for uh, when I was born and where I was born yeah. almost every day. Because I realize, you know, if I was born 150 years ago, for uh, many aspects of my life, including my health, like I had health issues as a kid yeah. that I wouldn't have even survived if I wasn't born. But I, I that is wonderful yeah. that you appreciate that. Oh yeah, and, and I I'm, think I'm very aware of that. And 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 part of what I try to do is like, is the more successful I become, I try to help out as many people as I can because that's, I mean, that's how I got to where I was. I asked a lot of people who are much more successful than myself how they did it and what they got there. And I had wonderful professors and mentors. And so as much as I can, I try to help other people who, who reach out to me in that same way um, because it's, you know, it's the, it's the same give, giving back and, and allowing other people who maybe didn't have the same circumstances and um, you know, situations that I had or even the same kind of like weird mental focus of things that I have to help them along as well. I think people listening to this, I'm hoping, yeah. I think that they would learn a lot from this. <laughs> so thank you so Hopefully. much. I really appreciate you spending time with me. This was, this was great. Sure, it's um, my pleasure. Congratulations on your book, Be, thank you. Left, Be Left Behind. Behind. And where can people get this book? You can, now you can buy anywhere where books are sold online. Uh, hopefully soon at your local bookstore, but amazon.com is the best way to do that. Or you can go to beleftbehind.com. Uh, right now, we're doing a giveaway because it's a launch uh, where we're giving away $1,000 of cryptocurrency Ooh. to a few different people. So yeah, but you have to buy the book and register on the website. But yeah, Amazon, Be Left Behind, there's a Kindle version and a, a paperback available. Okay, great. And is there any place else that you want to, any other domain that you want to share? Sure. Um, I So I also run a podcast focused on art and entrepreneurship. It's called Advance Your Art. Um, and... Similar to this, I, I sit down with, with creative entrepreneurs in many different areas from like music to uh, adult film stars. So through my bottled water company, I just, I, there, was, there was an adult perform, performer who really liked my water. And so I, I reached out to her at that time because I thought it would be interesting marketing wise. Um, but for the podcast, I just emailed her and was like, I know this is what you do. I'm interested about the business side of your work. Will you talk about it? And so it's, uh, if you look up on my podcast, her name is uh, Tasha Rain. That's her perform, performer name. And we spend an hour talking all about the business of the adult industry, which is totally different from what I thought. Like it's mostly like what she does online. And she spends most of her time trying to get her videos taken down off of free sites. Um, absolutely fascinating. What's the name of your podcast? Advance Your Art. Advance Your Art. Okay. Yeah. So that's it's again conversations like this where I reach out to people in lots of different industries and I just get them to talk about the good, the bad, and what they learned. Okay, great. So yeah. Other than that, I'm easy to find online, yuricataldo.com. 
I'm happy to chat with anybody anytime. Just reach out and say hi. Okay, wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGuckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 